0: Do they want RFK Jr. to be president of the United States? Like, not really, but they know that it's, you know, another, (laughs) another another tripwire for Joe Biden. That's good enough.
1: Welcome to the Powers That Be daily. Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Thursday, August 3rd. Today, I'm joined by Teddy Schleifer to talk about the latest twists and turns in the criminal case against disgraced crypto kingpin Sam Bankman Freed and why SBF might be moved from house arrest to jail in advance of his October trial. Teddy also digs into where big Democratic and Republican donors are sending their money lately and what it all means for 2024. We'll talk about all that and much, much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the powers that be. I'm joined today by our expert financial reporter and sleuth who covers big money, Teddy Schleifer. Teddy, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Peter. Thank you for joining the greatest podcast in all of audio. I want to ask you about some of the donor anxiety out there Mm -hmm. (laughs) among Republicans who have given a lot of cash to Ron DeSantis and are worried about his presidential campaign. There's obviously a lot of quotes uh, in the press these days about that. But first, I want to ask you about a story you've been covering intimately from the get-go, which is the ongoing criminal case against Sam Bankman fried he of the disgraced crypto exchange FTX. There are many charges against him, but the government, the DOJ, just dropped a campaign finance charge yes. against him. What was that charge about and why was it dropped?
0: Sure. So this was the allegation that Sam Bankman fried was engaging in a straw donor scheme to defraud the Federal Election Commission and the entire political system, essentially that he was making donations in other people's names. This was the charge that in some ways was the most accessible if you're interested in politics. like You knew that Mm -hmm. you didn't have to understand crypto to understand uh, this particular charge. And everyone in the political world that took Sam Freed's money was concerned, even some Republicans who took Money from the Republican equivalent of SBF, this guy named Ryan Salem, mm-hmm. who we've written about here at Puck. And why it was dropped, Peter, is thanks to a good old-fashioned technicality. <laughs> so uh, Sam Freed was arrested in the Bahamas, and FTX, his company, was based in the Bahamas. The Bahamas is a separate country, and he was extradited after a few days in a infamous Bahamian prison extradited the United States to face all these criminal charges on, on wire fraud and securities fraud, and defrauding investors, all of the core parts of the FTX scandal. Mm-hmm. And Sam McMinfreed's lawyers kind of cleverly argued that he was not extradited to face any campaign finance charges. So after a couple of months of back and forth that involved getting uh, understanding what exactly the Bahamians expected, the U.S. government, in a uh, good faith bid to uh, keep the diplomatic system of the U.S. Bahamian relationship alive and healthy have dropped this charge, which is a huge win for Sam and is is frankly a win for everybody in the political establishment that was worried because now this can resume being like a a crypto issue rather than being an issue that affects the entire American political system. So (laughs) thanks to the U.S. Bahamian extradition treaty, everyone can sleep happy tonight.
1: Yeah, you wrote in on Tuesday in your in your weekly email that everyone should sign up for the stratosphere that this is, quote, a huge relief for Gabe Bankman-Fried, yeah. the younger brother who basically oversaw the distribution of, of Sam's money. And it's also a blow to a lot of, you know, Republican mischief makers out there, despite Ryan Salem's money, uh, who wanted to sort of portray Sam Bankman-Fried as like the second coming of George Soros, who was engaged in all these nefarious activities, you know, if these charges are dropped. My question, though, is, in the interest of our relationship with, uh, you know, our foreign powers and, and treaties, sure, they're dropping the charges here, but couldn't they just theoretically bring them up later, or are they done for good?
0: They're done for good. You know, there's now going to be a second trial of Sam ekman Freed uh, theoretically, early next year, and the political charges could somehow make some comeback mm-hmm. at some later point. But the, the sense now is, is they're done for good. So anybody who was affiliated with Sam ekman political operation, it's feeling it's feeling much better now than they were a week ago, and that's kind of it. So now we're just back to a simpler trial uh, that begins in October, which is just two months away. Focused on the fraud charges. The sole kind of update, though, on on that is there's a good chance that Sam Bankman-Fried is going to be in prison for the next two months. For people who have not followed every twist and turn here, Sam has been in you know a ranch house off the Stanford campus under house arrest since he was arrested in uh, in December of twenty. 20- 22
1: you've been inside that house i've been inside <laughs> to interview house. him
0: <laughs> and it's it's a home it's not a prison he has very uh strict guidelines on his internet access and you know he obviously can't leave the house except for this little yard just out back but what's also happened in the last couple of weeks peter is that sam bankman fried admitted to leaking a document to the new york times belonging to his former girlfriend this woman carolyn ellison who's kind of a, a core part of the Sam ekman Fried saga. Mm-hmm. He leaked her diary, or I don't know, maybe diaries I'm not the right word. He's leaked her private writings to the New York Times, eventually admitted it, which, you know, usually is not a part of the leak, but um, happened in this mm-hmm. situation. And now prosecutors are alleging that SBF was engaged in a witness intimidation, and they're trying to get him into jail for the next two months and basically revoke his bail. So glass half empty, glass half full. I mean, on the one hand, <laughs> one of the charges is no longer operative. On the other hand, October is 60 days away, 60 nights that could have been spent in your $3 million or $4 million Stanford adjacent home could be spent in a federal prison. So you win some, you lose some.
1: Yeah, it was interesting reading the New York Times piece about Caroline Ellison's quote unquote diary. I think you described it appropriately. Like it's hard to figure out. She was she was clearly a very online person. But when you read her private thoughts that are in these leaks, it's like, did she leave them? In a comment, in a Google Doc, like, did they have, did they share their thoughts remotely via (laughs) Google Doc? It was just sort of interesting. But yeah, the DOJ is basically accusing him of trying to both tamper with witnesses and sort of pollute the waters and influence a potential jury by going after one of the people who is who is a star witness for the case and basically saying that, you know, she might have done some bad stuff for FTX as well.
0: Sure. I mean, again, usually I think we need to take a step back here and just recognize how unusual this is. Like usually when you are accused of like a massive criminal conspiracy, you are not like <laughs> engaged in day to day combat on like press stories. Right. I mean, you have public yeah. relations people and lawyers telling you not to do that or, they're, or like there is like a defense that is made in the court of public opinion, but it's done by professionals. It's not done by. The defendants themselves and you know this is what happens when you sort of take things in your own hands i mean uh kudos new york times for playing the game but um there are consequences when you get caught and, and this is one of them
1: yeah when it comes to talking to the media sbf can't stop won't stop that's for sure teddy i want to take a quick break when we come back i want to ask you about some murmurs you're hearing from donors both democratic and republican Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Welcome back to The Powers That Be, everybody. I'm joined by Teddy Schleifer. Teddy, the second quarter FEC reports posted uh, a few days ago, and you have been going through them with a fine-tooth comb. Something that that jumped out at you, according to what you wrote for Puck, was this big donation that RFK Jr. got from a yeah. guy named Gavin DeBecker, who uh-huh. is like sort of like a semi-famous security consultant. He was involved with Jeff Bezos' accusation that Saudi Arabia hacked his private messages Traditionally, I guess, a Democrat, although like he's given to Ron Johnson as well. But he's apparently friends with RFK Jr. And how much money did he give him?
0: <laughs> yeah, he's not famous to regular people, but he is like a well-known person in, in Hollywood and in celebrity, celebrity circles. He's sort of like the security consultant uh, of the moment for uh, anybody who is being stalked or he alleged kind of wrongly in retrospect that the Saudis that hacked the Bezos phone. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's semi famous or is famous famous to the right people, Peter. That's and nice. he made his biggest political donation ever, like to RFK Junior. And it sounds like they're friends. I mean, I know that DeBecker's been very critical of kind of the vaccine mm-hmm. and uh obviously RFK is as well. So he gave four point five million dollars to the RFK super PAC. Also the super PAC took in five million dollars from this guy named Timothy Mellon, who's like a Republican mega donor. Hmm. So you clearly have, you know he does not want rfk jr to be president of the united states this is a guy who spent a lot of money to elect donald trump in 2020 and tried to build a border wall himself in the state of texas that he financed himself but <laughs> there's mischief making in both parties now you have republican mega donors trying to boost rfk even though he is a democratic candidate and uh you know the fact is that rfk has, has real money behind him you know he's gonna have a small dollar operation because he you know speaks internet i guess uh, and there's 10 million dollars in a super pack which you know is more than plenty of republicans who we cover seriously and you know rfk is 20 25 in some polls like he's not like a pest he's something more than a pest at this point a nag i don't know something he's he's gonna be a well-financed candidate who could run ads and could hire real staff and who knows yeah
1: yeah. I mean, if you look at the five thirty-eight just came out with their Democratic polling average for 2024 and Biden's at 65 percent among Democrats mm-hmm. and RFK Jr. is at 15 and, percent. And like you said, like he is something more than a, a gnat you want to swat away. Uh, he's definitely a gadfly. Um, but the press gives a lot of attention to like candidates in the Republican primary who aren't going to raise very much money and will yep. never come close to 15% <laughs> in the polls. Uh, though a Democrat did reach out to me today and, he, you know, he saw your piece. He saw some other reporting on Gavin De Becker, and he was like, this smells really fishy. Hmm. Like, why is this donation? It feels like it's coming out of nowhere. That, that's a big amount of money to give to RFK Jr. And it's like, you could explain it one of two ways. One, RFK's big donor base is like, Silicon Valley, contrarian VC types, and sort of Hollywood rich people who like know him, you know, so that or those are wife, easily explainable yeah. reasons or his wife. Yeah. Those are easily explainable reasons why Gavin Becker could have given this money. There's another more conspiratorial take that someone's telling him to give RFK this money or he's doing it to mess with Joe Biden. Like, do you give any credence to that
0: idea? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, there's a, certainly a group of people that are donating to RFK intentionally to screw with Biden. I mean, I do not Kano <laughs> no dose I mean, the, there's a a sense that, that I get from—at least from the Silicon Valley set that I cover that, like, no. do, they, do they want RFK Jr. to be president of the United States? Like, not really, but they know that it's <laughs> another <laughs> tripwire for Joe Biden. That's good enough. Teddy, there's been so much reporting over the last month about—
1: Republican disappointment with Ron DeSantis, you know, on the Mm -hmm. ground in Iowa, New Hampshire. He popped early. The airs come out of the balloon a little bit. He's not really catching on. Panicked donors, establishment Republicans and not establishment Republicans, people who just don't like Trump and are giving him big money or like going to the press now and like they're panicking that they're going to start giving money to Tim Scott or Doug Burgum or whatever what are you hearing out there? What are the donors actually saying about Ron DeSantis? Are they being patient? And are these quotes just like sort of one-off cranky donors? Or is this a real problem for him?
0: Look, there is a sense in the Republican donor establishment that DeSantis, who already had, you know, a, an extraordinarily difficult task to, to, to beat Trump um, mm-hmm. that involved having enough credibility with the far right and enough credibility with kind of the moderate Wall Street donor class, that that extraordinarily tough task has been mishandled. That's not to say that like Ron DeSantis maybe ever had a shot of being the Republican nominee. Mm -hmm. But yes, I think there is real concern among GOP donors that he is muffing it. And... The the problem is though is I mean I'm not saying anything that revelatory here. This is just obvious if you can mm-hmm. yeah. do math. Is I don't know what else is left. I feel like you know we're, we're, if just to think through the next like month or two. Like I don't even know how the debate's going to go or what news cycles we're all going to go through. Specifically, but I think I have a general sense of how the next couple months are going to go, right? It's going to be the Tim Scott hoopla that donors are excited about him, and then there's going to be the Nikki Haley hoopla, and then, like, DeSantis is going to have his comeback narrative, and, you know, all along this, like, all along the fall, there will be these, like, three- to ten-point gyrations in the Republican field, and, you know, Politico stories about donors are really excited about Asa Hutchison, right? Uh, And, like, it just feels like we're kind of wasting our time <laughs> because like the, the polls are what they are. And like the sense that I, I, I still am very skeptical that any kind of donor fantasy around any of these candidates can dethrone the guy who has 90 or 80% approval rating with Republican voters and is the 65, you know, 60, 65% in horse race polls. And I mean, I, I feel like the only Republican person who's not Donald Trump who can win is somebody who's maybe not in the race at all, someone like Youngkin in in like the end of the year. And, you know, I, I think we're just kind of wasting our time by chasing the shiny pony with donors right now. But I don't know if like, the people that I talk to are almost un- understanding that. I think there's a sense of like, we're also in it and oh, well, maybe let's try this different tact or let's try, you know, attacking Trump in this way or that way. But I just feel like a sense of pessimism and inevitability in mm-hmm. among the contributor class right now. How about you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I hear the exact same thing from the sort of strategist types and the early state people. But again, like
0: mm-hmm.
1: you can be in it like we are. Just step back. You know, I mentioned that polling average about the Democrats. I mean, yeah. Donald Trump is beating Ron DeSantis right now by 40 points. And then if you go under that, all the sort of people that the Washington press is talking about, like Vivek Ramaswamy and Tim Scott. I mean, they're they're not zeros, but they're close, you know, yeah. the, and, and like they're three percent, five percent, whatever. Mike Pence is at 4%. Coming back from a 40-point deficit five months before the Iowa caucuses, something insane has to happen. Not that it can't with Donald Trump. Obviously, you know, he's looking at 78 criminal charges right now, I think, by my right. count, and more probably to come in Georgia. Those trials will happen during the presidential race next year if, um, if they go to trial. And it's like, yeah, I still think, and, and please see my uh, puck piece about Tim Scott and the donor fantasy there from mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. But, like, maybe a a, a white knight Glenn Youngkin could come in uh, later. But that's if all these other people drop out and Trump somehow finds himself at, like, 40%. Um, and Glenn Youngkin uh, doesn't seem more willing to throw a punch at Donald Trump than, sure. <laughs> than Ron DeSantis. So, yeah, I mean, right now, Ron DeSantis is still the closest challenger to Donald Trump, but... Forty points in a few yeah. months, when thirty to forty percent of the Republican base is in love with Donald Trump, it's very difficult. And um, you know, if the donors did want to do something, it's getting to the point where they should have done it months ago and called Mike Pence and called Nikki Haley and called Asa Hutchinson and said, "Stay the fuck out of the race. We need one guy."
0: Or the real thing the donors could have tried to accomplish, arguably, was was years ago and in, in like trying to get McConnell to convict him during impeachment. I mean, like that might have been the mm-hmm. actual kind of path for getting this guy out of the race yeah yeah i was gonna ask you peter if i can put you on the spot here like what if you were to say as of august august 3rd here what are the <laughs> odds that donald trump was a republican nominee what would you say Um
1: uh, man 80 percent. yeah <laughs> yeah i like think that. that feels about right yeah. you know Some, I, don't se- like, 70 80. I don't i don't like predi- 70 80 yeah. yeah i don't like being predicting much anymore but like people need to go talk to republican voters before uh they talk to donors that's my take uh and republican donors are in love with donald trump teddy Thank you so much for your insight as always. You bet.
0: Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow.